It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M, and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is a pleasure to welcome to the show, and I hope I get this right, Wessis Kwanisko. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I well did? Done. Yeah. Cool. All right. And if you don't know her by that name, you might know her by her more commonly known name of Iskwe, and it's a pleasure to welcome to you to the show, Iskwe. Tansi, David. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Tansi. <laughs> uh, a little bit more about you. You're a songwriter, performer, artist, and activist originally from uh, Treaty 1 territory in the Winnipeg area, now based in the Hammer. The Hammer. Woo-hoo! All right, Hammer. the Hammer. Now, you also lived in Montreal and uh, Toronto and I think New York City as well. And Los Angeles. Oh, I LA. did a little stint in Miami at one point oh, and yeah. in Calgary. Wow. I have lived everywhere. <laughs> and, and now you're in the hammer. <laughs> That's great. Um, now you're a nominee for the Juno Awards and Polaris Music Prize and a regular performer at festivals across the country, of course, when the pandemic didn't lock everything down. Uh, and uh, you you did start something. I saw this a, a few a, a few times on your, uh, your live from my living room uh, yeah. Instagram. I saw a couple of those. Uh-huh. Uh, and I saw Strombo getting in there, and um, you had Jan Arden and and a few other people. But uh, so that kind of leads us into what we're going to talk about today, uh, mm-hmm. because you've got this new thing that's happening. But before we get there, you're a multidisciplinary artist uh, of Cree and, and Métis descent, and um, and it, I think it's Irish part of your background as well. Um, that's on the fence. We don't. I don't. Totally no. I grew up with my mom mm. and my adopted dad, so I don't really know my not my biological family or mm. my biological father's background. All okay, that okay. Yeah. I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> now I, I also understand you. I read a little bit of, a, of an interview or something you did, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, in that, if, being fair skinned, that mm-hmm. that was something you made a point of, in that your own relatives. Uh, and it was something that your relative said, if you're fair skinned, you can, you kind of, you know, try to just blend in and not really say too much about it. And, and I no, thought that. Absolutely not. That's actually the, the polar opposite of what they, what I was taught. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the bit that I was taught was that my, so my grandpa who. Yes. I, I, I grew up with um, entirely with my grandpa. I mean, like yep. with my, my mom and my adopted dad as well, who I just call my dad, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but my grandpa, who was brown from Winnipeg, from Treaty 1, from the area since, you know, before the time of paperwork, mm-hmm. when I came out with fair skin and freckles, he he really instilled the power in that. And, um, and by power, I mean the responsibility of being able to make change because I knew who I was in terms of my cultural background and my family, and I had that love and that strength in my home. Mm. Um, and he encouraged me to really walk with that responsibility in a good way to make sure that I used it for our benefit, mm. right? And not my benefit, mm. for our benefit, right? Mm. And, and, and again, what I mean by that is to get into the conversations with people that might be difficult for others who at first glance cause a, mm. um, a separation on the other person's side, right? Right. So it was it was easy for me to get into rooms, easier for me to get into rooms that other people might have that my grandpa wasn't allowed into. So this all comes back to his experience of not being allowed to, you know, sit at the white man's table yes. kind of thing. Yes. And for him, he's like, okay, this is a really powerful tool yes. in order to reach broader people and bigger um you know, audiences for, you know, without realizing at that when I was a kid that I was going to take that quite literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, so yes. but that's what, that's what that meant. Not that I was ever encouraged to be selfish or self in, you know, invested. Yes. In it. 
Got it. Thank you. And I appreciate you jumping in on and correcting me on that. And I apologize for doing so. But I, I, the reason why I was going there is because of my own experience in that regard. Uh, I grew up without my dad, uh, Mm -hmm. didn't know that side of my culture and was told, why do you want to know anything about it? Right. And I was taught that other side to, you know, you don't know anything about it. You don't want to know anything about it. And it was much later, just like I think to some degree, same with you, when you started to look deeper into it and discover more about it. And and so I I kind of thought that was an interesting sort of parallel there. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I've had many conversations with mixed culture, mixed um, ethnicity people along the way, because it's something that I very I've been very vocal about, right? Mm-hmm. Like I strongly identify with my indigenous background because mm-hmm. that's how I grew up. That mm-hmm. was the, that was what was around me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I, at the same time, I've, I've had the, a bit of the opposite struggle where I don't know my biological dad. Mm. So I don't know those pieces. Yeah. So I, I don't really, you know, like I've, I, that's why you, when you said um, Irish, I'm like, yeah, in the past I've been like, oh yeah, he's Irish as a way to kind of, you know, like mm. reach my hand out in the dark and be like, where, you know, what's mm. the other story. Mm. Um, but I've had this conversation a lot with people who are mixed because there's, there is that duality and, and it's, it's tough to find your footing sometimes mm-hmm. when you walk in two worlds mm-hmm. or multiple worlds. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, where, where do I fit? Where do I, how do I maneuver through this? And to me, it's always been best to just, for me, it's been best to be vulnerable about that and open mm. and honest about mm-hmm. that. But it's like, you know, we are, humanity is very mixed at this stage in the game. And, and that's a beautiful thing and that it can be a, a, you know, a difficult thing at times, but it can also be a really special thing at times. And you know, so I, I appreciate your honesty in it as well. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, well, you know, the other thing about that is that, uh, as I said, for me, it was the opposite. My dad was indigenous and I didn't know him at all. I, I didn't know anything about him. At, well, I knew a little bit about him, um, yeah. but uh, very little about the culture, very little about anything else. And as I said, why do you want to know anything about it? But I got to the point in my life where I... I was being asked questions about myself that I couldn't answer. So I told uh, the person in my family who was the the strength and the person who was sort of the leader of the family that I have to, I, I had an opportunity to, to at least meet my father. And they, and I was literally uh, told, if you do that, you're going to be disowned. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, and I said, well, you know what, if that's what you have to do, then that's what you have to do. But I can't live with this this big gaping hole in my life anymore. I have to find mm-hmm. it out. So mm-hmm. it went, and it was the best thing I ever did. It was the best Good. thing I ever did. Good. So now that we have our personal stories out of the way, yeah. well, <laughs> um, I'm glad you went through that journey. It must have been a really difficult one to go to go down. So I, you know, I appreciate you sharing that with us and. Um, all of the efforts that I'm sure you went through, you know, emotionally to, to get there. So thank you. And you know, it hasn't stopped. I mean, it's not a story as I'm sure, you know, it's not a a journey that you kind of end at one point. It's uh, continued to be uh, a very interesting one, but, Mm. um, but let's move on because there's other things for us to talk about. And, um, you know, first of all, I guess, uh, congratulations on all your success. Um, this is the first time that I think we've had a chance to speak, or did we speak once before? Um, I think we did speak once before because you were going to do a concert in Hamilton. It was going to be at a church. I think I mentioned this to you, and I knew the church had a massive organ in it, yeah. a huge church organ. And I mentioned that to you because I thought that would be so cool for you to sort of experience or experiment with as, as someone that would be... Uh, interested in that kind of stuff did that ever happen did you get to do that gig no i don't remember what happened with that one mm. but yeah oh, no okay. that one didn't, didn't come to fruition well that's unfortunate maybe that maybe that'll come back in the future but listen okay. your, your latest album released on november 8th in 2019 help me out with the name achikosik achikosik thank you yeah. it and means the stars it, pardon me it means the stars right and um, so uh, congratulations with that. 
Um, and you, uh, you, you were also nominated for a Juno award. Uh, I actually won a Juno award. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was nominated and I won. <laughs> wow. That's wow. great. <laughs> there we go. All right. Now we're right up to date. That's fabulous. There we are. Yeah. But we're not quite up to date because you have, uh, as you, as we, we mentioned, you had the conversations on your, your Instagram and that led you into something else. How, tell me how that evolved with the uh, friends of the Canadian broadcasting and the Chesterfield, which is what you're doing now on this weekly basis. You've had a couple of, of really interesting guests so far. Jan Arden, you started off with. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Alanisa Bonswin, I just had the pleasure of speaking with her about her latest film as well. And, wow. uh, and that, that's, that's great. And she, she, did a, she had a great interview with you uh, on the Chesterfield uh, about um, about uh, the first the first music video that was ever made. Yeah, the Battle the of Coffee. Yeah, and yeah, she. I mean, I've looked up to this woman for an eternity. I think she is just a magical human being. So it was it was so wonderful to sit and chat with her. So the mm. Chesterfield, for those who are just learning about this now um, is a new show that is hosted by myself and um, my co-host Ben Rayner. Mm-hmm. So that we both take turns going back and forth because it's, because it's a pandemic. It was hard to get us both into a, obviously into the same room yep. um, for safety's sake, but right. also we've, you know, one of the things that was discussed at the top when we were, you know, when the idea for the show was coming together was with Zoom, because the, the, you know this is a a, um, a virtual series, right? Yep. Yep. It, it's tough to to get the, the a good quality. So we what mm. we wound up deciding to do was to take turns. So while we're co-hosts, we we flip back and forth each week on who's hosting the the show that day. Mm-hmm. So it's a show about Canadian culture and art, uh, where we are interviewing Canadian. Other Canadians who work in the arts of, you know, multiple backgrounds. So it mm-hmm. can be music, it can be literature, it can be film, visual art, you name it, mm-hmm. fashion, mm-hmm. all the things, and dance. And we interview them and talk to them about their favorite Canadian art. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a nice way to get to know, get to know artists who are working and have worked on incredible pieces themselves, mm-hmm. but also to find out things that really inspire them. Right. And right. and that was sort of the premise of this show. So you're right. I was able to, the first episode I sat with Jen Arden and we had a phenomenal chat, <laughs> which was always, it's always fun and, to sit with and have a hang with Jen. And then this week's edition is with Alanisa Bomsawin. So we spoke about the battle of Crowfoot, oh. which was, yeah, like you said, Canada's first music video. Mm-hmm. And you know, I won't give away too much of the episode because I'll encourage people to go yeah. to the Chesterfield to yeah. have a listen or have a watch. It was it was really fun. And yeah, like she's um she's just so lovely. She's so magical. She's, you know, um just a wonderful, wonderful human to have been honored to speak with. Yeah, she really is wonderful to to just be around and, and just uh, share the space with and, and listen to and talk with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. She's great. And of course, she picked a wonderful topic, the Battle of Crowfoot. That, that's a great story as well. For yeah. people that don't know it, it's another way. Not only is something that, that you're, like you're saying, that, that your guests are inspired by, but it also is something for people that may not know about that they yeah. can go and then experience for themselves and, and be exposed to that as well. Mm-hmm. I just want to clarify, sorry, I think I, I m- might have sounded like I said battle, but it's Ballad of Crowfoot. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. I couldn't tell if I was being muffly or not. Yeah, no worries. So listen, tell me about how that came about. How did the Chesterfield come about? Ah, well, the Chesterfield came about. So at the top of COVID in March, when everything shut down, I had, you know, my, just like everybody else, my, my world sort of pushed pause. And I was, I had a very big spring and summer lined up. Uh, a lot of movement, a lot of touring, a lot of promotions, a lot of all kinds of stuff. I had this new album. The Junos were there. Um, I was set to be performing at the Junos on the broadcast mm. and, you know, all of these different pieces. And everything just came to a crashing halt, just like it did for everybody. And when that happened, I 
I was like still in such a forward motion that I was like, whoa, what am I going to do with myself? Right. And at first, at first I was like, okay, you know, this is going to be a time to pause and, and relax. And then I quickly realized that I wasn't yet ready for that pause. Mm. So, but I was also observing how, um, how my, my friends and my loves, loved ones were impacted by it and recognizing that there was a lot of stress floating around the universe and a lot of discouragement and so on. And so I wanted to find a way to participate with people and find a sense, you know, like still find that, that element of, of joy and laughter in this very stressful time. So I put together a little show on my Instagram live that I called live from my living room. And it was a daily show that ran at 7 PM Eastern time. Um, and I brought in basically all of my celeb friends <laughs> that I could find. And I was like, Hey, Will you come hang out with me for half an hour on Instagram live? I promise it's, you know, like it's going to just be a good time. It won't be heavy. It's not going to be stressful. You know, just come hang out. We'll play some games. We'll talk about some goofy stuff. We'll have some good laughs. We'll acknowledge that we're in this really wonky time, but let's spend the energy on, you know, finding that brighter side. Mm. And that's what I did. And I did that for about a month and a half. So the first month was every single day. And then by the end of the month, it was for, you know, for the next couple of weeks, it was like maybe once or twice a week until finally I was like, okay, that was a lot. I, I am now pooped and <laughs> I needed to just sort of like pull back from it mm -hmm. a bit and actually go into my, um, hibernation, you know, state for, for, COVID and the pandemic. Mm. So from all of this, um, Lisa Laduceur, who is the digital director for Friends of Canadian Broadcasting, and also a good friend of mine, um, <laughs> reached out to myself and my manager, and she and her team had been had been passing this idea around, had been building up this concept for mm. this other show. Mm. And they asked if I would be interested in in joining them and hosting. And I was like, yeah, of course. I love this. Right. So it, it was uh, just a very organic, you know, mm -hmm. COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto. Anywhere across the country, if you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates, as well as ELMNTFM, and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is a pleasure to welcome to the show, uh, we have Iskwe. She's, a, of course, a singer-songwriter, performer, and activist uh, originally from the Winnipeg area. We're talking with Iskwe about uh, the Chesterfield. If you haven't seen this, it's uh, Friends of the Broadcasting, and uh, she does this one-week one uh, show about 15 minutes with guests. She's had a couple of guests already. Uh, started out with Jan Arden, and then uh, she had uh, Alanisa Bonswin on as well. Now, she is a co-host, so every other week uh, the show is hosted by Ben Rayner. And, uh, of course, uh, he's a, a uh, someone that was working in, the, uh, in journalism for a while, I believe, the Toronto Star, and he retired from that. Um, and, um, and so every... Every week you guys trade off, mm -hmm. and and so it's been a couple of weeks. So how has it been going so far? I mean, aside from the great guests you've had, um, how has it been going? How is that? Uh, how has it been going back and forth between you guys? How do you how do you arrange the show? Ah, well, that is the glory of the producers. They are the ones in charge of making sure everything is running seamlessly and smoothly for for the audiences. Mm. I can't take any any claim of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's the, the series is designed to run back and forth. You'll see at the top, an introduction with Ben and myself. And then each week we rotate, uh, to speak to the, the various guests, the glorious guests that we've, um, uh, that we have coming up on the show. So it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's like I was mentioning, it's, um, yeah. Canadian artists talking to Canadian artists about Canadian art. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say so, that again? <laughs> yeah, right? 
<laughs> Canadian artist times three. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and it, and it's about. Huh? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's about fifteen minutes in length, correct? Um, I I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds. And and so how have you enjoyed it uh, so far? It's only been a couple of weeks. Not, mm-hmm. you know, but what do you think? I love it. You know, it's um, it's a really nice way to get to know different sides of people. This was and, and this was sort of the premise of the show was to spend time with folks in their home where they get to we get to uncover as the audience we get to uncover something that is meaningful to them that they have within their home right mm. so whether it's a memory whether it is a tangible item whether it is you know a piece of history that they've held on to because it's inspired them whatever it might be we get to speak with these incredible artists about some other like about someone else someone else's creation that sparks that that vibrancy in them Mm. right and i find we don't often get to do this with people when we watch interviews you know it's it's often from the lens of like okay what are you working on right now Mm -hmm. and can you tell us about it which is in itself a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. but now we get to to have this glimpse of of these folks in a very personal setting you know where everybody's in their own homes it Mm -hmm. is a pandemic so we are you know, being invited into their home to speak with them about something that is meaningful to them, right. which is, you know, to me, it's, it's very special. I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. That's great to hear. I'm glad you're enjoying it. It, it seems like a, a sort of a natural thing for you to do. You seem very comfortable, uh, both in front of the yeah. camera, as well as in the, the form of the interviewer rather than the interviewee. If I <laughs> yeah, I do. You know, it's like, I'm I'm quite chatty in case anybody <laughs> doesn't know that. And I I have loads of questions all the time and I really I really enjoy digging into other people, which is funny because I'm I'm quite like in my private life, I'm quite introverted. I spend a lot of time by myself. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy my alone time mm-hmm. and I'm quite shy in group in new settings, like mm-hmm. in group settings and everything. So if mm-hmm. I go into a party and I'm the, you know, I only know like one or two people, I'm going to be very shy and that's mm-hmm. very difficult for me. But for some reason, like being on stage or being behind a camera or something like that, it's like, woohoo, here, I have no problems. <laughs> <laughs> so I just get all of that energy out in those moments. And, and you're not the only performer that would say that. I, I, there's mm-hmm. a number of people that, that fall into that sort of a category, shy in their personal life, but, but yeah. explosive. And, I don't know and why like, that is. Yeah, I don't know. And it's like, you know, because it's so true. The moment I'm in any kind of interview or interviewee, mm-hmm. interviewer, interviewee, yes. on stage behind the camera, <laughs> I'm just like, here it is. No holds barred. But then it's like, when it's real life, I'm like, Ooh, good. Mm. I don't know what to say. I'm really awkward. So let me ask you this. How do you think in this new role you're finding yourself is in as a a somewhat journalist, somewhat interviewer person, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what do you think your experiences as a performer, songwriter, and someone that, as you say, is chatty and usually has lots of questions, Mm -hmm. can bring to that and and allow... uh, you know, that, that maybe someone else might not bring to that. Sorry. Could you ask that question again? I guess what I'm saying is how, how is your, your personal experience as, as the person who makes you right, the performer and all Mm -hmm. the things that you do, how do you think that helps you in this position of Ah, interviewer? Well, one of the things that I've really appreciated in the, from the interviewers that I've chatted with in the past Mm. is when it's conversational Mm. and it doesn't feel like a list of questions. Mm. It feels like, yeah, you might, one might have their list of questions, but they use them as a guide. Mm -hmm. And then it just becomes a conversation that we move through and we ebb and flow. And to me, that's always the best kind of interview because it results in, in just a natural dialogue. Right. Right. And so that was something that I really took into the interviewer role. Yes. I also really took the, um, the lightness of spirit that people like, I know, I know she's in some hot water, but that as an example, Ellen DeGeneres has brought Mm. to 
her interviews. Mm-hmm. And, and this idea of being able to move through a conversation with humor and with, um, understanding when it's time to be sensitive and when, mm. or not sensitive, but like sensitive to someone's emotion or, mm. you know, like the, the ebbs and flows of, of that conversation. Yes. I've always been very inspired by that as well. So those are kind of the things that I've pulled from that I wanted to bring forward into any sort of interviewer role that I've been in is, you know, make it a conversation, mm-hmm. um, allow their space to be serious and allow their space to be playful and humorous and, you know, uh, feel, feel that movement with each other. Ooh, feel that movement, the ebb and the flow. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, you know, the, um, the other thing is, I was going to ask is, have you done this? Had you done this kind of thing before in, in a younger stage or at school or anything else where you, where you were the interviewer for anything? Oh, that's a very good question. I don't probably, I have a really terrible memory. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I mean, like, I'm sure I've done something, but not, (laughs) not to this extent, right? Like not, right. I think it's like maybe more when I've been playful with friends and we, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Ooh, (laughs) I have no, I actually, I don't know the answer. No worries. No worries at all. Well, listen, I, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask you about this. Do you have any plans uh, musically, at least, uh, working on things that uh, that you can share or that you have ideas for, possibly once this COVID epidemic, uh, pandemic is, is, is finished with us? Well, David, I'm glad that you asked. I actually have <laughs> two projects that mm. I'm not allowed to tell you about <laughs> that I will mention are coming in um, a very short time. So right. that's all I will say. <laughs> okay, well, that's Happy nice and vague. There are two fun new projects on the horizon that I'm not allowed to discuss in any more detail than that, other than one will be very soon and one will be a little bit afterwards. Okay, that's great. How's that for vague answers? You know, it's just, just exactly what we were asking for. That's fabulous. <laughs> Listen, it's been a real great pleasure speaking with you once again, and I want to thank you for coming on to the show uh, and and sharing your time with us. Anytime, David. Thank you so much for, for having me. You bet. You take care. You too. And all the best. Thanks. Right. That is Isque. She is the uh, co-host of a new show, The Chesterfield. It's airing weekly, and you can find it on Friends of Canadian Broadcasting Presenting. It started on October 6th, and Isque has uh, had a couple of great guests on so far. Uh, so you'll have to tune in to find out more. You can find out more on YouTube, uh, and that's uh, youtube.com, uh, friendsscb, or just on friends.ca. But I want to thank you once again for being on the show. And as she says, she's got two great projects she can't tell us about, but they're coming up, one sooner and one later. <laughs> <laughs> and that is this part of the program. So please don't go away because we're going to be right back here with more on Moment of Truth right after this. Thank you, David. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, it is a pleasure to welcome to the show Kara G. She is an Ojibwe actress. She has recently starred in a film with Harrison Ford called Call of the Wild. And she was raised in Bob Cajun, Ontario. And of course, a lot of people know Bob Cajun because of the tragically hip. Kara, welcome to the show. David, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I have to tell you that you are also in a series that I really, really enjoyed a lot. And that is The Expanse. And uh, I really enjoyed that that whole series. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you, uh, that you were checking it out. We have our fifth season coming out in mm. December of this year. So Fabulous. Oh, I know. I'm so excited about it. I think it's our best one yet. Oh, yeah? They, yeah. They just, 
I think because we're we're so fortunate to have these incredible books as our source material. Mm. So it's this really, really rich story that we just get to keep, you know, telling and mm. growing and growing. Right. And and I think the seeds that are planted in the very beginning of the series, we're gonna see some really amazing stuff come to fruition in this season. And it's super exciting. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that you watch it. I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. That's that's great. You know, um we're gonna get to your film as well, The Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford. But before we get there, talking about the expanse, your character is real hard ass, eh, in that series? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She is. I think she's the most badass character I've ever played. I think if you put all of the other characters that I've ever played and had them fight her, I think mm. she would be all of them. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Yeah, I, I do. She's tough, man. <laughs> I wouldn't want to come up against her. <laughs> no, neither. <laughs> she's than me. <laughs> it's uh, funny because times where we have to do, um, you know, stuff on wires. Mm. And I'm not like a little bit afraid of heights, mm. <laughs> if I'm honest. Right. I try to act tough about it, but there'll be days where I'm doing something that's just so crazy and so challenging and, and I'm, you know, nervous or whatever. And I have to just be like, okay, drummer wouldn't be scared of this. Drummer wouldn't be scared of this. <laughs> act cool, act tough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and that's filmed in Toronto. It is. Yeah. It is. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known that, except I went to a bonfire a little while ago, and I ended up talking with, I, th- I think the one of the producers or something was there, and we just started talking, and I heard him say something, and then it was like, oh, really? And so, uh, yeah, and and he and I, and we started talking about, um, uh, you know, the storyline and all that. Uh, and well, anyway, we won't go there. We'll we'll let people watch the next the next. Uh, uh, series that's coming out. But listen, um, I want to say congratulations on your film, The Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford, uh, which came out earlier this year. Yeah, right before the pandemic. Mm. Yeah. I feel it was crazy timing. It was so, I felt so lucky to be able to do the whole, you know, fancy red carpet thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> great. Those stopped happening for a while. Uh, so yeah, as, as many things have for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, I understand that was a bit of a, of a, a, a strange, uh, acting scenario because <laughs> you were up against, uh, it all, it was all CG stuff that you were doing mostly. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. We shot it in the desert in Santa Clarita. Right. Even <laughs> though, even though it's supposed to be the Yukon. That's right. And when I got the part, I was obviously so excited, but I had just moved to LA. Mm. And I was like, oh, going to shoot something in the winter in the Yukon, okay. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're shooting it in California in the desert. Like, we were actually too hot. We had to wear cooling vests under our outfits because it was so hot. Oh. And I was so eager to get away from the winter that I was like, oh, <laughs> this is the other extreme. <laughs> you're, you're taking that uh, that fourth wall away again uh, with, with telling us about what goes on underneath the, the costuming uh, oh, wearing yeah. these cold vests and things to keep yourself cool, but makes sense, of course. Oh, it's crazy! Yeah, you have to act cold yeah. when you're sweltering. It was, it was, it was an, a remarkable experience, and certainly, yeah, a huge acting challenge to be, uh, like, you know, looking around. You read the story, you know what the scene is, mm-hmm. but you're looking around, and with my scene partner, of course, Omar C, who I adore mm-hmm. so much. Um, you know, we'd be trying to find, you know, our common, um where we were looking, you know, you, you hit a mark. Okay. This is where that avalanche is, or mm. this is where the <laughs> dog is. And you're, so you're, you have to make sure you're looking at the same thing, even mm. though there's like nothing there. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah the, the fact that, that most of this was, was uh, CG and you were filming in the desert, like you said, you know, I think one thing that any Canadian or anybody from a Northern climate that knows what really happens in the cold like the fact that the fact that you can see your breath. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those things that they do a great job with CG now, but you know, you know, it's always a giveaway, right? When you see something filmed and you're going, wait a minute, it's not cold there. You can't see their breath. It's not. Real. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's very true. That's it. And so how was it acting and being in a film with uh, Harrison Ford? With my buddy Harrison. <laughs> your bud, your bud. <laughs> my bud. My bro. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's lovely. He's absolutely lovely. It was, um, it was really, really neat, actually. I feel like, uh, 
watching him work was a a pretty profound experience for me Mm. because he can take a line that on the page looks like something, a total throwaway line. And he makes it sound like it is the most important thing that has ever been said. And watching him do that, and you can't help but sort of lean in mm. towards him when he's, he's, he, he has this sense of, of confidence and importance and that gravitas that even on a, even on the most casual line, you lean in towards him to to pay attention to what he's saying and doing and watching him do that up close was an incredible lesson for me. And I feel like i learned a lot just, mm. just watching him and, and acting with him. Mm. Um, but he's also extremely gracious and extremely kind, mm-hmm. which it's always so lovely to see people who have had long successful careers and to mm. see that that is an element of mm. that long successful career. Mm. You know, he's very, kind to everyone his mm. he, he he was never a, a someone who was like making everyone on set wait or whatever you hear those horror stories you know mm. what i mean mm-hmm. and he he's just just you know he's there because he loves to tell stories so it was, it was a joy it was a true joy it was, it was crazy though i mean for someone from bob cajun i was like pinching myself a lot you know <laughs> like we'd be driving home and yeah, I'd just be like, the sun would be setting through the palm trees. And I was like, what am I doing here? How did this happen? It was, <laughs> it was pretty wild. <laughs> that's, that's great. It's good to hear. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, the way you describe that in watching Harrison and, and the way he can take this throwaway line and make it the most important thing and that you, you viewed that as a, as a lesson and, and learned something from that. It, it's, it's nice to hear. It, it's nice to hear that. Um, but I guess that's why you get to pay the big bucks, right? Totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've had such, I've had such good fortune to work with these masters, you know, mm-hmm. in the experience, of course, um, Shore Agdashlu is a, a phenomenal example of uh, an experienced actress who mm-hmm. just kills it every mm-hmm. scene she's in. Of mm-hmm. course, I don't have scenes with her, but uh, getting to watch her work and watch her process and mm-hmm. David Strathairn mm-hmm. as well as another veteran actor mm-hmm. who, you know, both of both Shoray and David have been nominated for Oscars. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, um, they're brilliant, brilliant uh, masters of their craft. And so I think there are, um, there, you you could, I trained, of course. I went to yep. theater school, trained to become an actor, but there's mm-hmm. really nothing like working with someone up close and personal like yeah. that for a total masterclass in how it's done. And and nothing better than learning on the job and getting paid for it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, uh, speaking of learning on the job and getting paid for it, uh, in this film, The Call of the Wild, uh, mm-hmm. you play a, a musher. Uh, mm-hmm. a, uh, someone running a dog sled team, which mm-hmm. you then asked your the people you were working with to say, "Hey, I need I need someone to train me, and and I need some someone to to be a a, a mentor on this." And so you reached out to someone in the Yukon. I understand. Yes, that's right. There was this lovely woman named Carol, and we would chat on the phone. And her granny uh, was a musher. Um, and, and in a time period, I think her granny was, was mushing in the 1930s. So mm. that's not too much longer after yeah. Call of the Wild, of course, is set. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't ahistorical to have a woman mm. mushing. You know, mm-hmm. that's not something that it's not like, uh, we're, we're not totally reimagining history. Yes. With me in that role. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, cause of course we're not used to seeing that represented. Right. Uh, but Carol was just, yeah, it was amazing to hear stories about how it was for her granny and how, what sort of life on the trail was like. Um, it was, I was really glad that, um, that production took me up on that. And of course that was something that was really important to me. Mm. Um, so often, uh, you know, I'm the only native person on set mm. and it's, you, it's that tide is turning, but it's extremely important. For me, if I'm hired as an actor, it's a huge responsibility. I can't also be, um, you know, the lead researcher and and holding all of the cultural knowledge and mm. like that's mm. a whole other job. <laughs> oh, really, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other job. Right. Um, 
<laughs> and so, so to, to have someone who was able to, to step into that role and that production was supportive of that was extremely important, key, in mm. fact, for mm. me on this project. Yeah, and how did that help? It, it obviously did. Yeah, well, I think it just adds layers and depth and, mm-hmm. and authenticity because, I mean, I'm Ojibwe, so that's mm-hmm. not my people. Right. Yeah. Dogs living there, you know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, Carol is Tlingit. Um, and, and even just learning a little bit about her language and, and we, we did some, so I would improvise a little bit in some of the little, little nuggets of language that she mm-hmm. gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, unfortunately, none of that made the cut in the, the final cut, but, um, mm. But uh, I was grateful for that, you know, and to, to just to honor and respect the people who invented dog sledding was really, really important to me, you know, mm-hmm. and just I think hearing her stories, um, it just made it feel a lot closer. It made it feel a lot closer to me. Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in uh, one of those two coordinates as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day. My guest here on Moment of Truth is Kara G, and she is Ojibwe. She's an actor, actress, and uh, she was recently in the film The Call of the Wild opposite Harrison Ford. We're talking about the film and other things that she's involved with, like The Expanse, which I'm so excited to hear that they've got a new season coming up. Kara, I understand also that one of those moments, Canadian sort of moments that you tried to in, 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 in put into the film was some Canadian maple syrup. Oh, my God. <laughs> true <laughs> there is a scene uh that unfortunately didn't make the cut mm. i feel like it could have been its whole its, its own whole separate <laughs> film we had this whole elaborate pancake celebration scene mm. with the, where um omar's character perot and i are you know taking the dogs for this pancake breakfast it mm. was a blast mm. to shoot it was mm. so wild but i knew of course that we were going to be eating pancakes all day mm. so i brought <laughs> My own maple syrup in my bag. Uh, I was just, you know, I was worried they were going to have that like fake, yeah, you know, yeah, American yeah, syrup. Yeah. I'm not having it, but I brought enough for everybody. So right. We ate, we ate syrup. <laughs> now the other thing I want to ask you about is is the dog, the main dog, Buck. Buck, thank you. But Buck is is SG, but uh, or CG. But were all the dogs CG? Was the entire team, or did you get to work with some dogs? Oh, there were no dogs. Wow. There were absolutely no dogs. There was one scene where I'm feeding them salmon <laughs> at the end of the day, and they had cardboard cutouts of all the dogs, and I had to throw the salmon at the dogs, you know, right. aim to their mouths so that the dogs can, mm. you know, mm. and uh, and <laughs> I'm throwing these pieces of salmon, and they're just like, just bouncing off the face of these cardboard cutout dogs. <laughs> This is ridiculous, but it looks cool in the end. Mm. So, you know, you got to keep the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you a a dog person? Are you are someone that enjoys uh, animals? You know, I've never had a dog. Um, my husband is a big dog person, mm. and actually, when we first got together, I said, um, you know, if if you want a dog, I don't, I don't think I ever want a dog. So if that's a deal breaker for you, like just know that right now. And he was. Like, okay. Um, but he's slowly been working on me over the years. And <laughs> I, yeah, I could see having a dog one day. I think I've, I, I've learned to really appreciate, I think, what, mm. what a dog is. I've always, I mean, animals are beautiful. I've always, mm. you know, respected them mm-hmm. and appreciated them for their own, they have their own, you know, perspective, mm. their own experience of life. And yes. I think it's important to honor that and respect that. Right. Um, but yeah, I could see having a dog at home one day. We travel so much. So that's the thing. Being mm. an actor, you're flying all over the place. So you have to, right. have to be a bit more settled in one spot. First. Right. Well, speaking of traveling and, and, and moving around and settling, um, I understand you either are or very soon to be a new mom. I'm a mom. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a mom. I was like nine months pregnant on the red carpet for Call of the Wild. <laughs> <Yes. Like, yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> Which is like, I have a curveball to throw at a stylist, you know? I'm gonna be like, I need something extremely beautiful and fancy, but also I'm going to be yeah. nine months pregnant. Mm. So, but she found something. We found something. She was that's great. <laughs> Actually, I should. What am I talking about? I should have known. I'm, see, I'm losing track of time because of COVID. Oh, yeah. Pandemic time is different. Yeah. yeah. And, and I remember seeing, you know, you in that beautiful dress. It's quite beautiful. I love that bow that's on there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and so I should have known. Yeah. She wouldn't be still pregnant. What am I thinking? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny that I keep saying that. So my, my daughter is eight months old now. Wow. And that's how long the pandemic's been. She mm. was born right before the pandemic. So yeah. I'm like, how has it been eight months already? Right. She was born five weeks ago. I don't understand. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. Wow. That's, there's a sense of time for you. Right. It, exactly. It's, she's such an interesting marker of this pandemic. Yes. Yes. Isn't, yeah, for sure. And, um, so congratulations once again. To you Thanks. and your husband. And, you know, there's another reason to maybe think about getting that cute little puppy at one point. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> no, she would love it. She's met a couple of dogs now. Mm. And she, yeah, she loves, she loves a dog. So mm. Definitely. Now, listen, I also understand that you, you want to encourage young Indigenous uh, girls specifically, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, get it. Get it, girls. Get it. Yeah, <laughs> boys, all of us. Let's do mm. it, you know. Mm. <laughs> and, and so in, in regard to that, what kind of things, um, do you, do you do to reach out or, or at least encourage? I, you know, I think it's actually, it's, it's interesting because I think that hmm, just by virtue of being Ojibwe mm. and being in this industry, mm-hmm. my existence here is political. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it, that's something that I think is, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that that's kind of thrust upon me or someone in my position, you know, that's, that, that just being here itself is sort of radical. Um, so I feel like certainly when I have a chance to speak like this, I think it's important to, to say specifically that, that that it is possible that dreaming big is there is mm. work out there. If you, you know, if you work mm. really hard and if you can find your path and find your way and train and, and make it happen, there is a pathway out here. Um, mm. And certainly I had to forge that path. There were women ahead of me mm-hmm. who, who made inroads for me to be able to have the level of success that I am having, but mm. I'm, I'm doing a lot of firsts, right. you know, sure. and that's, still just so mind blowing. So I think that, I think that it's, you know, like, like Taika out there winning his Oscar and being like, this is possible. It mm. is possible. I think that message is just so important. And especially in a medium like this, where, where visibility and representation is, mm. you know, is, is a huge part of it. Like I didn't grow up seeing, you know, Ojibwe people in mm. movies with Harrison Ford. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, so I think that that, I mean, that is my activism. My work mm. is my activism. Mm. Um, I'm not like, you know, I'm not much of, a, of an acting teacher or anything like that. <laughs> you know what I mean, but I think that just doing it and, and forging that path and, you know, I'm always available if people reach out, you know, there's, there's, it is, it can be done. We can do it. You know, I think it's interesting. You said that by just being where you are and doing what you're doing, it's political. It goes back to the comment you made earlier about being on set and being the only indigenous person and, and then being the expert. And I, I, I went, Oh boy, isn't that the truth when you're the only indigenous person around and you got the answers, right? Everybody comes to you for the answer. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Is this culturally appropriate? Is this and that? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, and so it, it's true. You, you know, I guess as an indigenous person, no matter what you're, no matter what you're doing, um, mm-hmm. given in any situation, just about you are in a political position, uh, because it comes down to the fact that you're going to be asked questions and, and somebody's going to have a question for you at some point. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And, 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 you know, that coupled with the responsibility of constantly having to sort of, uh, debunk 
mm. stereotypes yeah. or yeah. you know that that work as well. And I think it's important to name it. And I, right. I do that at work now. Mm. I name mm. that work, mm-hmm. and and it's important because you know our white coworkers don't have to do that work. Yes. That's not on their plate. They get to focus simply on the task at hand. Yes. So I think it is important to name it, and um, you know. Uh, Kara, we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you, first of all, as, as someone that is, uh, that is in the expanse, um, are you a sci-fi fan? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I was a fan of the expanse before I got cast in it. Yeah. I watched the whole first season just like as a fan before mm. I auditioned for it, before mm. anything. So, mm. um, yeah, big time. I, I love it. I love it. But other sci-fis as well? Are you a fan of sci-fi in general? I am. Cool. I am. Yeah, for sure. I just watched um, Devs. Have you seen that one yet? It's no. I've heard of it. I've it's heard of it. It's the same guy who did um, Annihilation okay. and Machina. Mm. And it's a TV show that he did. And mm. it's, it's, it's quite spectacular, actually. Cool. Okay. Well, listen, um, what do you have coming up besides the new season of The Expanse? Anything else on your plate? You know, or are you being busy just being a mom? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yes, that has been busy. Uh, that has been very busy. Definitely raising a human uh, is a very, very cool <laughs> project. <laughs> it's been so joyful and so amazing. Um, I do have a couple things coming up that um, I'm, just, I, I, I'm not able to talk about. Okay. Keep <laughs> right. your ears open. Okay. It's been, yeah, it's been, uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting time, that's mm. for sure. Um, so, but definitely season five is the big, big thing on the yeah. horizon. And that's just, that's December 16th. And they're doing a thing. They're showing the first three episodes, um, on December 16th. And then they're doing a weekly rollout after yeah. that so that, um, you know, we can engage with the fans more. Last mm. season, we it was the, all this, all the episodes dropped at once, mm. which is, you know, awesome from a binging perspective, mm-hmm. but this year they've decided to, to do a slower rollout, which I think for our story, because it is so intellectual and dense um, and demands your complete and total attention. Yes. I think that that weekly rollout is going to be really great for I, all of it. I, I like it. In fact, I, I think I like that better than, than the bingeable kind of thing. You know, if it's just once a week, cause you get the story and then you take a break and you're left hanging a little bit, but you can't wait to see the next one next week. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be cool. And I think for this season, especially it's, it's worthwhile. It's, it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's a, it's like a very demanding television show, I think, which is what I love about it. It's not something you can have on in the background. Every single word, every single shot, every moment has meaning, Mm. you know, you can go back and watch it again and catch things that you can. Yeah, absolutely. And are we going to get any more answers in this series, in this uh, season? Oh, I think you'll be pleased. I think you'll be pleased. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And, you know, speaking of that weekly, weekly rollout, that's how uh, the 100 was doing that for a while, too. I was watching them on a weekly basis until they finished up. Yeah, they just finished, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. Wow. Crazy, huh? Kara, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show and, and take the time away from your family and your new daughter, I guess, uh, it's eight months old. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, David. Thank you for having me. I'm, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Likewise, and all the best in uh, your future endeavors. Look forward to seeing you in, in many, many more things and, and perhaps speaking with you again in the future. Absolutely, anytime. All right, take care. You too, bye. Okay, bye-bye. That is the voice of Kara G, and she is an Ojibwe actress, and she just recently was in the film The Call of the Wild opposite Harrison Ford. You can also catch her in the upcoming season of The Expanse. Can't wait for that. As she mentioned, it's going to be dropping in December. Cool. That's your show for today. I'm your host, David Moses. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth right here on Element FM. We'll see you next time. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.